Welcome to Pigskin Frenzy on this wonderful Tuesday afternoon. Thank you for joining us. I'm Joel Norris. And whether you're watching on YouTube, listening on Spotify, or listening on Podbean, a big thank you for taking some time out of your Tuesday to just sit back, watch, and listen to some college football coverage presented by me. Now, if you're watching on YouTube, please subscribe to the channel. Leave a like on the episode and leave a comment down below. Spotify, if you're listening on there, share around with others and follow on there as well. Podbean, same thing. If you're listening on there, share around with others and follow on there also. We have Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Twitter, it's at pigskin underscore frenzy, all lowercase. Just type it in on the search engine. You'll find it. Follow and like the page there. You'll get episode updates as well as news and highlights from across college and NFL football. Facebook, same thing. All you got to do is type in pigskin frenzy. Follow and like the page there. You'll get episode update and everything and all things up to date with pigskin frenzy. And Instagram, all you got to do is type in pigskin at pigskin frenzy. Follow the page there. You'll get episode updates as well as trip your questions and all things up to date with pigskin frenzy okay college football day today that was a little bit quicker than i anticipated i thought i was gonna go on longer but college football day today and guess what day it is we look at the watch i don't have my watch on yet but it's august 1st it's the most wonderful time of the year you're probably thinking why are you singing I'm sorry, but I'm so excited. It's like the Christmas for sporting events. Yes, we're 30 days out from the kickoff of college football. The 2023 season is upon us. I can't wait. I'm excited. And by the way, football starts earlier than that. If you count NFL, football this Thursday night is the kickoff, the unofficial kickoff of the NFL season with the preseason. The Hall of Fame game is Thursday. A little bit more on that at the end of the episode. I just threw my pen because I'm so excited. But college football starts and it's kicking off in 30 days. August 1st, I'm ready. We're going to rock and roll with some predictions now and and talk about what to expect coming into the season. So here we go. Let's you know just kick off some college football talk today. And we're going to dive deep into some crazy news coming out of Boulder, Colorado. So it's kind of funny that we're talking about the start of the college football season when there's already some, some you know, headlines around Boulder, Colorado and, you know, and regarding the Pac-12. Is that surprising? No, because they've been making the rounds, you know, ever since Deion Sanders has been there. Sorry, Coach Prime has been there. So, yeah, it, Boulder, Colorado, we're going to talk about that. We're also going to be, you know, diving deep into some, you know, updates on some Pac-12 media deals and just some update on the conference in general because I feel like with it it's something that we need to discuss. Also, we're going to you know conclude our media day takeaways from the Pac-12. We're going to kick off with the Big 10 and the ACC and next week we'll conclude the media day takeaways from all across college football. We'll conclude that next week. So don't leave yet. Subscribe to the channel. Keep plugging into Pigskin Frenzy on YouTube. Follow, share around with others on Podbean and Spotify. And follow on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook to keep up all things up to date with Pigskin Frenzy. I'm excited. Let's rock and roll. I'm going to, you know, just switch it around. Let's kick it off with our media day coverage first. Then I will get to the Pac-12. We're going to conclude the Pac-12 media day coverage and my takeaways from the Pac-12 media days. Then we're going to go to the Big Ten and ACC, and we're going to just start with that. Then we're going to conclude back to the Pac-12 because this is some pretty you know interesting headlines. So we're going to conclude with that topic because it's a little bit more of a serious note. So Pac-12 media days, let's just you know conclude with the two teams. And let's take it off with Oregon. Let's go up to Eugene, Oregon, and let's talk about 
Dan Lanning. He just landed a, a nice contract extension. He landed a, 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 a he landed a good contract extension, but it's rightfully so because of what he did year one at Oregon. Granted, he played his former team Georgia in the opening weekend and got absolutely smashed, as the young kids would say. Yes, he did get you know he did get blown out by Georgia. However, however. They picked it right back up. They have Bo Nix, super senior, uh, transfer from Auburn. Y'all know who Bo Nix is. Don't pretend you don't know. Uh, <laughs> and you have a, a loaded uh, a loaded defense, and you have probably a top five recruiting class for the 2023 season, and you're kicking some good you – know, you have a, a top five recruiting class starting off in 2024. Things couldn't go any better for Dan Lanning at Oregon and – He's proven to be a solid head coach. Here is what the takeaways that I've gotten from Oregon coming into the Pac-12, uh, going into you know, for Pac-12 many days. They are not worried about anyone other than themselves, rightfully so. Uh, if I'm, you know, in, stat- in, in Oregon's shoes uh, with the recruiting class that I got, the extension that I got, the facilities that I have, with the quarterback that I have who could be if he plays lights out a Heisman candidate, you know, I'm not worried about nothing. Honestly, I'm not worried about anything that we have. You know what I mean? Um, I'm worried, you know, I'm worried about just what we got going on and uh, in our own mental space. If I'm Oregon, I'm just saying to myself, okay, let's not worry about who's on that side of the ball. Let's worry about us and what we do and how we perfect our craft as a football team. And that is a good mindset and a good standard to have if I'm Oregon. So that's a good takeaway that I got from them. Uh, their style of play is more of a fast-paced style, you know, West Coast offense style of play. So this is an interesting takeaway that I got. Rule changes to the clock won't have any effect of their approach and how they do things. And that's what Dan Lanning was preaching at the media days uh, in, in Vegas. So I was... I kind of was taken aback by that. Was I was like, no one has really talked about the rule changes of the clock at media days, and that was a good, you know, a good little answer there because uh, with the rule changes to the clock, as in, you know, after they complete a pass on first down, the clock will still move uh, <laughs> unless it's two minutes within the second quarter uh, until you know before halftime, and two minutes at the end of the game, the clock will stop for you know for, to move the chains and stuff, but. You know when the you know when you catch a, and complete a pass, the clock moves on the first down now. So that's very interesting. So it won't you know change anything. They play fast and they play hard. So that was a good little takeaway that I got from Dan Lanning there. Also, uh, it kind of goes into what I, my first takeaway from the team, but uh, not worried about anything but this season currently. So it kind of blends into what I said in the first takeaway. But that's my last takeaway from Oregon. They're not worried about anything but this season right now, which means they asked them about USC and UCLA uh, scheduling them as future non-conference opponents once they enter the Big Ten. Oregon is not worried about anything but you know this season only, and that's a right mindset to have. Let's not worry about them going to the Big Ten. Let's worry about the Pac-12 and us as a football team and this season. So that's a good answer to have and a good approach to have. It's a me, myself, and I mindset, and it's it's one of those things where okay, we gotta we gotta you know we gotta see how great you know we are instead of look out how look at 
about how everybody else is good, right? Let's worry about ourselves and not worry about any other team. So those are my takeaways from Oregon. Uh, I'm pretty confident and pretty high on Oregon. I'm not going to lie. Um, I think they're a, a, a solid football team and a, a, obviously a contender for the Pac-12 and potentially could go to the Pac-12 championship against the USC or Washington, even though the next team I have, and we're going to conclude with the Pac-12 media days now, the next team I have is against USC in my projections, and that's Washington. So I'm high on Oregon, but now let's move on to Washington. I'm really high on Washington. I'm not going to lie. Their offense is lights out. Firepower. They were up there with offensive efficiency with Tennessee last season. Uh, head coach Kalen DeBoer likes, you know, Lights out with game planning, solid head coach, and he's proved to be uh, a top-tier head coach in college football. So, Kalen DeBoer, Washington head coach, and this is a takeaway that I've gotten from him. First takeaway, he thinks the next step for Michael Penix Jr., super senior quarterback Michael Penix Jr., uh, is an, is on another is his his next level that he can go to is uh, he is you know he can go to another level of leadership, and another level of communication. And those are his next steps when it comes to intangibles for Michael Penix Jr. He says that he's always consistent, quote-unquote, and he is, you know, always, always, you know, he fits the standard of what a high-power offensive quarterback and, you know, spray quarterback looks like, and he does. Uh, what he does is, you know, probably – Bar none, he's mo he's one of the most accurate and one of the most consistent quarterbacks in college football. And if he continues to break out, even if he beat he could if he beats USC, even he beats Oregon, beats USC, it's kind of hard to deny that we may be looking at another Pac-12 Heisman Trophy winner, and his name is Michael Penix Jr. He's one of the most fun quarterbacks in football. And I said this when I was watching him at Indiana. When I saw him in Indiana, I was like, this guy is awesome. He's really good. He just needs a new he just needs a new direction and he needs some talent around him. And when he transferred, he was the best for him and he's got weapons also. So second takeaway is the depth is a huge thing for them. They have a loads amount of depth. And I think uh depth of the receiving core and depth at the cornerback position is key for them uh, as they trans as they you know continue on in the season and when they play big games against you know, USC and Washington. No, I'm, I'm Oregon. Sorry, Oregon. So, yeah, I think depth is a huge thing for them. And I think uh, it is what my key takeaway is from them and what Kalen DeBoer mentioned for his football team. So, last takeaway that I got for them before we conclude is breakout guys from the summer include Jabbar Muhammad at cornerback. Jabbar Muhammad, oh, I think he's going to have a standout year, and he's probably going to be one of the most underrated corners and defensive backs in college football. I I, I like his recognition, and I like, you know, his blanket coverage, and, and, and I like what he does, you know, when he, you know, try when he lines up man on man with a receiver. I think he can be that lockdown corner that Washington and leans on in the season. So he's one of those go-to defensive backs in the season where, okay, we can line him up on that receiver and we trust him that he can lock down one of the best receivers in the Pac-12, you know, if need be. So Jabbar Muhammad could be one of those breakout stars, you know, at corner for Washington. And that's, those are my takeaways from Washington and Oregon. And some of my takeaways from both of those teams, and I'm going to, you know, just say it right now, uh, Oregon Still amongst the elite in the Pac-12, and even after Colorado, you, 
uh, or USC and, uh, you know, UCLA depart, Oregon could still be one of those top teams. Spoiler alert on Colorado. You probably already heard it. But, uh, yes, yeah, they could be one of those top teams, you know, in the Pac-12. And Washington could still also be is, is right up there with them. That's my takeaway. They're right up there with them, uh, especially this season. I think Washington, besides USC, has the second best chance to win the Pac-12. Um, I think their offense is too good to you know to be denied. And Ryan Grubb uh, at offensive coordinator is probably one of the most solid coordinators in college football. So I think Washington and Oregon are both amongst the elite when it comes to the Pac-12 and could be in college football. So I'd rank them both in the top 10. Let's just say that. So uh, that is my, you know, that is, that's what concludes Pac-12 media days and coverage from me. We'll move on to the Pac-12 just a little bit later to conclude today's episode. But that concludes media day takeaways and coverage from the Pac-12. Let's move on to, you know, to the start of the Big Ten and the ACC takeaways, starting with the Big Ten. And let's start off with the big guns up in Indianapolis, and that is the Michigan Wolverines, right? The back-to-back Big Ten champions and back-to-back semifinal, you know, semifinal playoff contenders, right? So let's move on to these, you know, those these these four takeaways that I've gotten, you know, from Michigan, right? And uh, as we don't know, he didn't really comment on last week. He didn't really comment on the four-game suspension. Um, we don't know really hardly anything yet other than they're looking into it and they're discussing it, but we really didn't, you know, that's the only thing we really know about what's happening going into this season. But let's talk about what his take, what my takeaways were from what he said. So, number one, Jim Harbaugh thinks that they are ready for the next step. And what I mean is going beyond a semifinal, right? They they already went to the playoffs. Uh, the next key thing now is to go to the national championship and potentially win the national title, right? Uh, they have the team to do it. The question is, can they do it? Can they get over that hump, right? Uh, bowl stats, not on the side in favor of Jim Harbaugh. If he loses a semifinal this season, and if and if they most likely, I think they will go to the playoffs. If they or go to a bowl game, I think they'll go to the playoffs though. But however, however, if they miss the semifinal and they go to a New Year's Six bowl, Michigan will. I think Michigan, and this is just my takeaways on Michigan. Michigan will be under Jim Harbaugh. Will be two and eight, which ties for the worst bowl record in college football. And two and eight's not an ideal, not an ideal record, you know, for bowl games. But it, it's kind of iffy, right? You kind of don't want, you kind of don't want that, right? So uh, let's see if they can get over that hump, win a New Year's six, win a, win a New Year's six and semifinal, and go to the national championship and potentially win the national championship, right? Jim Harbaugh thinks they're ready for the next step. Number two takeaway. He calls quarterback J.J. McCarthy a generational talent at quarterback, and that's high praise coming from guys like Patrick Mahomes or Aaron Rodgers or generational quarterbacks who we have going into this draft, right? Uh, Caleb Williams. They're calling Jake Caleb Williams a generational talent. They're calling Drake May a generational talent. So when you got and look at some guys in college football and you – Put J.J. McCarthy up there. J.J. McCarthy, and I'm going to have to tend to agree, he's one of the best in college football. Now, generational talent, I don't know about that yet, but if we're talking about 
you know, top-tier quarterbacks in the game, J.J. McCarthy, J.J. McCarthy and how he presents himself as and, and how he lines up on the field is probably one of the most confident quarterbacks, not just in the Big Ten, but in all of college football. So, J.J. McCarthy, that's high praise right there. J.J. McCarthy, uh, junior, going into this season, obviously the starter for Michigan, and we can't wait to see what he does for this team, and he is very confident that they will be back into the playoffs this season. So, uh, third takeaway, he looks at the offensive line and sees 10 players who can see who can who he can rotate and start. That's high praise also coming from back-to-back Jim Moore Awards, Offensive Lineman of the Year for Michigan, both back-to-back. And their offensive line is still strong. They still have probably arguably the the best line in college football and in the Big Ten for sure. Uh, They're strong. They're they're arguably superior blockers, right? Run and pass. They got a big and bulky line. And they got some experience and depth in the offensive line. And that is hard to argue, right? Um, it's hard to argue what he says there. Offensive line, second to none. I'm not really you know, sh- shocked that he would say that because I think Michigan's line is superior probably to, to anybody else's in the game. So uh, that's my third takeaway and last takeaway from Michigan. He quoted Ric Flair. Uh, WWE Hall of Famer and wrestling legend Ric Flair, 16-time world champion. Woo. Uh, (laughs) uh, He said, to be the man, you got to be the man. And Georgia is the man. So he has quotes and motivations from Georgia and what happened to him against Georgia last year in the Orange Bowl, but also last season against TCU, right? Uh, Georgia is the standard bearer of college football. No secret. They're trying to three-peat, and they're back-to-back national champions. And he says to get to that standard, they got to beat them. They got to beat the man, and Georgia's that standard. So if they come across Georgia, they, they their hope is that they can accomplish that and be the man by beating the man. So that's a good good little you know takeaway that I got from Jim Harbaugh in Michigan. Jim Harbaugh in Michigan, my key takeaway from them is – they're still the best team in the Big Ten, honestly. And the next team I'm going to mention is second behind them. And, and it's their rivals, obviously. Uh, no shock there. But Michigan is, you know, up there. And they are looking to three-peat in the Big Ten champion, in, 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 as Big Ten champions. And they are, you know, the top team in the Big Ten. And it's no secret that they are projected to finish first in the Big Ten. So still amongst, still still the elite in the Big Ten East and in the Big Ten. Second is the team, now my second team is the team behind them, and that is their rivals, Ohio State. Um, some three, ta- so three takeaways that I've gotten from them. And it, it, it's they're, they're pretty interesting. Uh, Ryan Day has said, and this is number one for me, uh, Ryan Day has said, Kyle McCord holds a slight edge over quarterback Devin Brown, but don't count out Devin Brown just yet. Devin Brown is still in this competition, but due to the experience and factor, quarterback Kyle McCord is leading the race to start week one. So that's an interesting takeaway that I got from there. Uh, another takeaway that I've gotten, it was pretty interesting, and it's his second year under uh, uh, Jim Knowles. So he feels like the defense is the most experienced since 2019, since they had Chase Young on defensive end. So, excuse me, I thought that was a 
a very high praise. And that defense is pretty solid. I think they're going to be a lot better than last year. I think that they could give Michigan a tough time. I'm not going to lie. That game's going to be a lot closer. I think Michigan last year when they ran away with it in Columbus, uh, I think that that game's going to be a lot closer due to the experience on defense that Ohio State presents. And even though it's in Ann Arbor, which could pose some trouble for Ohio State, but but the Buckeyes can make it a lot closer with the experience they have on defense. So Ryan Day is right about that. I like to take away from there. Last takeaway, feels like despite losing some key players, the offense is still loaded with firepower with Brian Hartline, Hartline now calling plays as the offensive coordinator there. So let's pump the brakes. Ryan Day has taken away play calling duties and he's pursued and given the keys to Brian Hartline as the offensive coordinator to call plays now. Let's see how this works. I'm very curious to see what happens there. Uh, Marvin Harrison Jr., uh, Amuke Abuka, uh, two key solid weapons at, at wide receiver. They're probably the two best wide receivers in all of college football. I really like them. I also like... Um, I also like the two running backs and the depths they got there. Travion Henderson and Mayan Williams. Two great, speedy, and power-balanced backs. I like what they got there. Despite some, some key line and some key line changes, I feel like, you know, I feel like, and this is just me, I feel like they can, you know, adjust because they got some experience on the line and I feel like with the quarterback, the quarterback will just transition into that, right? So whoever wins the job, Kyle McCord, Devin Brown, I feel like, and this is just me, they're going to transition smoothly, and they're just going to need some experience. While J.J. McCarthy is still the most experienced quarterback in the East and in the Big Ten, their counterpart will still have something to say about that, and they'll transition nicely. So... My, t- my, t- my key takeaway from Ohio State is this. They're still Ohio State. They still recruit well. They're still probably one of the best teams in the college football, and don't count them out of the playoff hunt either. And they're, ju- they're in my opinion, neck and neck with Ohio State. I'll give Michigan the edge right now, currently, but Ohio State could could beat them. They could easily dethrone them and go back to the Big Ten Championship for the first time in about two or three years. So uh, Ohio State is up there and neck and neck with Michigan. So moving on, that's my key takeaway from there. Still amongst the elite. Third team and last team before we, you know, move on to the ACC is the third team behind Ohio State and Michigan in the Big Ten and the Big Ten East, Penn State. And let's talk about them for a second. So three takeaways that I got from them. Uh, don't expect a starting quarterback to be named until week one. The battle is between quarterback Drew Aller and quarterback Bo Perbula. Bo Perbula is a solid lights-out quarterback. Uh, he has done an, he has amazing ball placement. Uh, his arm is, you know, it's not like a Drew Allard arm, but he's got a good enough arm to get them by, and his accuracy is pretty good. His accuracy is, is you know, accurate enough to win some games. Now, who do I favor in this battle? Drew Aller. I do. I think Drew Aller can run their offense a little bit better, and he's got a little bit more experience than Bo Trabula. Drew Aller, five-star quarterback, and, you know, 
big standout to replace Sean Clifford, supposed to replace Sean Clifford. I like Drew Allard, even though they don't have a, they don't have a quarterback named until week one. So uh, next takeaway I got from them was left tackle Olu Fashanu. Olu Fashalu, uh, Fashanu is a great and, and he, I would I was a good offensive tackle and good left tackle. Uh, I think a little bit that he needed to work on a little bit was his, you know, was a little bit of his pass, his pass protection. His run, his, his, his protecting the run was solid. Didn't, need, didn't, need, didn't really need any more dramatic improvement there. However, his pass protection needed a little bit more of improvement, but he did. They said he has dramatically improved ahead of the 2023 season, and he can make some noise in Indianapolis next year at the NFL Combine. So let's see how Olu Fashanu does for Penn State on the offensive line. Last takeaway that I got from Penn State, he calls going to Detroit in uh, Ford Field at Michigan, in home of the Detroit Lions, uh, against Michigan State this year, challenging. Uh, it's late in the year. It could be a little chilly, and there's going to be some bumps and bruises, obviously, because it's late in the year, right? Uh, it's going to be a packed house in Detroit, Ford Field, and it's very interesting there. So, I mean, he calls it challenging, and it's rightfully so. So, I get where James Franklin is coming from with Michigan State there. So, they have, they're have they playing a team that could be potentially solid in Michigan State. So, let's just see what happens, you know, going into the season late this year. So, with Penn State, how do I look at them? My takeaway is they're still third. Uh, between Ohio State and Michigan, I think they're going to give them some challenges. They're going to give Ohio State and Michigan some challenges, but I still expect them to drop those two games. I think that I think that Penn State will win the rest, and potentially, who knows, could go to a Rose Bowl again. So we never know. But Penn State and Wisconsin are about neck and neck to each other, and about behind Ohio State and Michigan until you know who knows until the divisions you know squash next season so those are my three takeaways from the big 10 teams and we will conclude some coverage and takeaways and from media days from the big 10 next week now let's move on to our last you know takeaways and coverage from media days and that's the acc i'm only going to get into two teams and we're going to continue and conclude with the acc next week as well so and wrap up our whole media day coverage next week as well so let's kick it off with two teams uh number one let's go with florida state obviously so we're going to make it quick so we can move on to the, you know, conclude our episode with the Pac-12. So Florida State, they are picked to finish second by league media. I can see it, but I also don't. I think Florida State's team this year is a little bit, you know, it's a little bit ahead of Clemson. I think that they're a little bit ahead of North, North Carolina and Clemson. I think that that LSU game is going to determine a lot of college football playoff hopes, and that Clemson game will determine a lot to see you know, who goes to Charlotte, right? They're projected to go to Charlotte, but they're projected to lose to Clemson. That will, that that first Clemson game will be telling, right? That will be telling. So Florida State picked to finish second by league media. Uh, Mike Norville is trying to build Florida State back to the standard of Bobby Bowden and how he had it then. I love that takeaway, and I love what he said there. He's trying to build them into a championship program. He's trying to lead them back into. He's trying to lead them back to their second college football playoff appearance, and he's trying to, you know, build a team that fans in the Knowles Nation can be proud of. Right. So, uh, Florida State has a solid offense with led led by Jordan Travis. Uh, uh, you have, you have. Uh, Johnny Wilson at wide receiver. You got Jared Burst on the defense. And you got 
You also got Jakeem Bell at tight end, transfer from South Carolina. Some good weapons there. Uh, Watch out for them. Honestly, watch out for Florida State. They're going to be a solid team, despite if they lose or win the LSU game. That's a team that you need to fear coming through the season, I think. Florida State, solid football team. And last takeaway that I got from Florida State is rumors of Florida State leaving the ACC or starting to swirl. Uh, Whereas more conference realignment on the way, who knows? I don't know. Uh, But it would rock the ACC to its core, if you know these rumors are coming to fruition one day, uh, there's a lot. There's a lot of rumors like that in Charlotte. So I don't know. Uh, we'll have to see if they end up making a move soon. Who knows? But those are my key takeaways from Florida State. The biggest key takeaway and my takeaway from the team is uh, they're getting amongst the elite, and they're going to prove it this season. Watch out for Florida State. I think they have a real legitimate shot at winning the ACC and could make the college football playoff. That's my takeaway on that. So, second team, Clemson. Uh, three takeaways from Clemson. Uh, he's Dabo Sweeney is confident in quarterback Cade Klubnick, and he knows that he has shoes to fill. Shoes to fill. Who do I mean? You mean Taj Boyd. You mean Deshaun Watson, and you mean Trevor Lawrence. He's got shoes to fill. Uh Kay Klubnick, a solid five-star quarterback coming out of high school, and he's a, he's he could potentially go down as one of the best in Clemson, could be. But he's got to improve in some areas, right? He's going to start his first full season this season, and he's got some shoes to fill, but, but Dabas Winning is confident that he will be just fine as Clemson's starting quarterback. So... The transfer portal. Evaluation, development, and retention helps us when it comes to that, right? It helps it helps Clemson when it comes to that because it helps, you know, lead in good recruits and it helps build their team, right? He thinks the transfer portal, it could be, it's a blessing in disguise. It could hurt you, but it could also help you. And that's what I've been saying about the transfer portal. So that was a key takeaway that I got from Dabo Sweeney there. And last takeaway that I got from Clemson, um, linebacker TJ Dudley being dismissed uh, for due to team violations is a disappointing situation. And he mentioned that. TJ Dudley, a former five, former four, four five-star linebacker, was supposed to start. And he was, a, he was a solid, solid player on defense, up the middle, bar none, could be one of the best in college football. But it was di- he dismissed him due to violations uh, of team rules. And it, it, caught, it was a very disappointing situation because you lose a key, key player due to that. So Dabo Sweeney called it a disappointing situation. And that could hurt a little bit when it comes to depth, the linebacker spot for Clemson. So my key takeaway for Clemson is they're still amongst the elite in college football and in the ACC. I still have them, you know, projected to play Florida State. I think Florida State has a slight edge this season, but next season, I have Clemson ahead of anybody else next season. I have Clemson next season making the leap back on top in the ACC. So those are my takeaways from teams. Uh, we'll conclude with the Big Ten and the ACC next week, right? And we will conclude with media days and coverage and takeaways from across media days from across college football at all. So uh, we'll conclude with media day takeaways and coverage next week. Let's move on to what I said I was going to talk about, and that's the Pac-12. We're going to go back to the Pac-12. So a little bit away from media day coverage. We're going to talk about the Pac-12. So we're going to bring some stuff into it, but not too much. So the media deal. 
let's talk about the media deal really quick. And, you know, I don't want to take up too much of your time, but I'm going to go on a little bit of a trip here with this. So, Pac-12 Commissioner George uh, Kylovkov will announce a media deal to its members within the next 24 to 48 hours, according to The Athletic. Stuart Mandel uh, reported this from The Athletic. Um, My thoughts is this. So, the 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 deal is rumored to be a Apple TV deal, media stream deal. And more notes as I got this, and it's kind of breaking news, actually. Uh, the proposed media deal, still not there yet, right? So it is breaking news. I just I just got the report uh, from Bleacher Report, actually. So that's pretty interesting. Thank you, Bleacher Report, and shout out to that. But... Uh, they were announcing a media deal 24 to 48 hours. According to The Athletic, they just apparently announced it to its media deal, medium to its members, but it, the proposed deal was an Apple TV deal, Apple TV Plus deal, and it didn't go through. So they're still on hold when it comes to media deals. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, and, and, and here's my thing. This is going to tie into the media deal. So let me just pump the brakes. Let's go to Colorado really quick. Breaking news out of Boulder. Colorado, according to College Ball Insider Brett McMurphy, Colorado is leaving the Pac-12 for the Big 12 in 2024. So this season will be the final year. Colorado will be in the Pac-12, and they will have a one and Deion Sanders will have a one and done in the Pac-12, and then they will go to the Big 12. Deion's been looking to move to the Big 12 for a while, is what I've been hearing, and Colorado is, you know, looking to move. Here's the thing. Let's pump the brakes here. Let's move on to another one. According to On3 Sports, Arizona has scheduled a Regents meeting, a Board of Regents meeting at 5.30 today. That's 3.30 which is currently, it's 4.30 now. Don't know, how, don't have any other idea what's going on in Arizona right now, but they're meeting today regarding everything going on in the Pac-12. Could they be leaving? Who knows? Now, here's my thing. I'm going to tie it all in together after delivering all that news to you. It's all because of the media deal. It's about exposure Yes, college football is, is could be a money thing, and it is a money thing, but with money comes the number one thing, and that is being exposed on media. If you don't have a TV deal and a media package, and that's what this is all about. This is what college realignment, conference realignment is all about. It's about TV and media. You don't have a media package, we're not going to get exposed. Therefore, how is our brand of football going to be out there? They're leaving the Pac-12 because of that. George Kylokov said last week, and I quoted this, the longer we wait, the better our options are. I'm not trying to, because I've kind of kind of let this go. I'm kind of thinking, okay, it's a little concerning, but we're going to move on. I don't know if I can let this move on a little bit more. I think this is it is it's starting to become a little bit more concerning. The longer y'all wait, the better you know, the better y'all's options are, and it's not looking like the case. The CW was a rumored destination until the ACC took that over. Uh, Just a minute ago, the proposed deal was an Apple TV deal, but that's falling through. 
they're still on hold when it comes to a media deal. I don't know. We don't know what the media deal is looking like, and it's starting to frighten some members, and that is why people are leaving. Um, Colorado has left. USC and UCLA have left. They left early, and they're going to the Big Ten next season. Colorado's leaving for the Big 12. Uh, Arizona, uh, that's an interesting one. I don't know what will happen. You know about the about the Arizona deal. Uh, if they if they were were to leave, uh, that's kind of interesting. Don't know if that's the case or not. But they're they're meeting now uh, as we as as this episode is on right now. So the Pac-12 situation, and here are my final thoughts before we conclude today's episode. Um, it's looking like a conference that is in big trouble. Uh, I don't know how it's one of those things where could it be too late to say that's the question that you ask yourself you lost usc you lost ucla you're gonna lose colorado next season as well you're losing three big you're losing three teams the reason why colorado is big because Deion sanders was there now you're losing coach prime the three teams you have now well the four the you got you got five teams left that are pretty crucial washington oregon utah Arizona State, Arizona. One could leave. That's four. Sorry, I'm doing the I'm doing doing it weird. Four. You got four teams that could be left if Arizona decides to make a move. But if Arizona leaves, what's that going to do with Oregon, Utah, and Washington? Right? What's that going to do for them? They're seeing that they're leaving. Oh, or Arizona, no offense, has not had their winning ways. But if they end up leaving, What's a top program like an Oregon going to do? What's a top program like a Utah going to do? Washington, what are they going to do? The dominoes are starting to fall, and it's because of the media deal. And uh, they were promised a media deal by George Kylikoff, and he's not, he's not delivered. He's not delivered so far. And that is the concern for the members of the Pac-12. And it's starting to become a concern for the Pac-12 as a whole conference. What's that going to mean? What's it going to do? Who knows? Teams are starting to go elsewhere to look for exposure to exposure for their athletics, especially football. So the big concern is, will it be alive? What's going to happen to the Pac-12? That is the big question that's weighing on my mind. And that's what you guys can comment on. If y'all want to comment on social media about it, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, comment and or and, and on YouTube. Comment and subscribe on YouTube and let me know what you guys think on the situation with the Pac-12. It is a big thing. It's a big deal. Will it stand? Will the conference exist? And will it, you know, will it, is it barely hanging on? Will it cease to exist? Who knows? But 2024 is going to be a drastic year. And this year especially is going to be a drastic year for the Pac-12 as a conference. So those are my thoughts. Uh, Arizona is meeting right now. Colorado leaving for the Big 12 uh, in 2024 and the media deal was announced within 20 to 24 to 48 hours. Proposed Apple TV deal looking like it fell through. So that's all the time that I have today. A big thank you for taking some time out of your Tuesday to just sit back, watch, and listen to some college football coverage presented by me. Now, if you're watching on YouTube, please subscribe to the channel. Leave a like on that episode and leave a comment down below. Spotify for listening on there. Share around with others and follow on there as well. Podbean, same thing. For listening on there, share around with others and follow on there as well. We have Twitter, 
Facebook and Instagram. Twitter, it's at pigskin underscore frenzy. Type that in on the search engine. You'll find it. Follow along the page there. You'll get episode updates as well as news and highlights from across college and NFL football. Facebook, all you got to do is type in pigskin frenzy. Follow along the page there. You'll get episode updates as well as as well as all things up to date with pigskin frenzy. Instagram, all you got to do, at Pigskin Frenzy. Follow the page there. You'll get episode updates as well as trivia questions. There's an about me on my, there's a bio and about me on there. And you get all things up to date with Pigskin Frenzy. Again, a big thank you for taking some time out of your Tuesday to just sit back and watch and listen today. Uh, next Tuesday, we'll conclude with an, well, we'll conclude our college football media day coverage and takeaways with the Big Ten and ACC. And we will also, this Thursday, speaking of this Thursday, is an NFL edition of Pigskin Frenzy. Football is back. Unofficial start of the season, preseason Hall of Fame game between the Cleveland Browns and the New York Jets. We're going to pick a winner, right? Our first prediction of a game on Pigskin Frenzy. We're going to see who wins that. We're going to break it down, and we're going to give you all the latest on, you know, signings and extensions at, you know, at training camps across the NFL. So, uh, until then... I'm Joel Norris signing off, and we will see you Thursday for an NFL edition of Pigskin Frenzy. And for everybody out there, stay the course.